Hi, good morning. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a while to get my books and things, which is a constant problem in my life, taking care of all the books I'm trying to carry around. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking um, from Acts chapter 2, starting in vor- verse 14. Um, you might be thinking that that's what we talked about last week, and it is. <laughs> and so um, I'll tell you a, a little bit about what's, ha- what's happening and then I'll tell you why we're talking about it again. So um, Brian Boitman taught last week, and um, basically what's happening is Jesus has ascended, the day of Pentecost has arrived, and Peter or people are speaking in tongues, there's a lot of confusion. So Peter sort of steps up to preach, to, to give a sermon. Um, and so I'm going to read to you, and then we'll go from there about why we're revisiting. So starting in verse 14, might be up there. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words, for these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, Last week, when when Brian was teaching, um, my takeaway was kind of thinking of of Peter getting up and beginning to preach and just the confidence that he had um, in the Holy Spirit speaking through him. And so to find that confidence and to trust boldly as as we share what we feel called to share. And so um, he and I kind of talked a little about, um, we're like, oh, maybe we'll switch. And then there was just some different things because I had... Um, some things that really stood out from these verses. And actually last week when he asked what, people, what stood out to people, someone answered that the, the language is really inclusive in these verses and you hear a lot of like sons and daughters and men and women and everyone, all those kinds of words. And that um, feels really important to me that we kind of talk about what that means um, for our church and for the church, um, kind of the role women need to play in our church. So I'm going to pray and then we'll... Um, move on from there. God, thank you for this time for us to be together. Um, I pray that you speak through me um, as, we, as we talk about something that can sometimes be a sensitive topic. I pray that you um, give me the words that you'll have me share this morning. Amen. So I guess I want to start out by asking um, a question. And I'm just curious, honestly, like, um, because I think we all have different, we grew up really differently, different kinds of churches. If someone would share what role women played in your church, either that you grew up in or anywhere you were before now, um, it can be negative or positive or neutral. It doesn't matter. Just sort of what did women do in your church? Or, or as a kid, how did you view what women were doing? I feel like I, women were like deacons more so than like elders. Okay. Um, and like in my what did a deacon do instead deacon of an elder? Was a good question. Yeah, a deacon was more like the caretaker, okay. like the person who would bring communion to people, like 
that was my phone that just dinged. I'm really sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, and then like an elder was more like a leadership role, like okay. serving communion. Okay. Uh, at church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I we um, I grew up at uh, Southern Baptist. Yeah. We didn't have elders at all. Oh, okay, that's so that's why I was curious. But we had deacons, of which women could not be. Okay, gotcha. so that's why I was kind of curious. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone else have like an experience or just? I grew up United Methodist, and I saw men and women doing the same roles in my church. Like men and women gave communion, men and women were choir directors, men and women were pastors. Yeah. So I never really. Knew there was kind of an issue until yeah. I became an adult. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. I went from a Southern Baptist context. It was exactly what you just described, going through yourself. And then in a non-denominational context afterwards, it was, we would have women who would speak. There were like women who were over like large children's ministries and things mm-hmm. like this. But even like we had some great women speakers. There was a scenario where if like someone were to ask, is she a pastor? Mm-hmm. There would be the well, no, no, not. Like, but like, right. there was this weird statement of like not wanting to like toe the line, but also not wanting to like stop people from using their gifts. But when push came to shove, and someone had to make a statement, it uh-huh. would probably end up being more towards that more southern right. Baptist. Kind of like maybe if she was speaking on Sunday morning, she's teaching, not preaching. That's sort of something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three thousand people. She was yeah. just teaching. Someone else is preaching, and she's teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is its own thing. I've actually, um, in preparing for today, found myself like not able to use words like preaching and, or like uh, hesitating to use words like preaching and sermon, which is like totally stupid. But it just kept, it's like kind of how you grow up really can shape, um, as we know, a lot of things in our lives, but uh, this topic as well. Does anyone have, else have something? We didn't have women in any kind of leadership role. Mm-hmm. Um, they could do children's you know, ministry, but beyond that, um, women didn't even make announcements yeah. in service. Um, and even even when it was VBS, where it was a lot of kids, you still had mostly men. Mm-hmm. There's a hard uh, age, right, in Church of, Church of Christ, I think? I don't know there's a hard age. Oh, okay. I just always heard, like, it was as long as they're younger than you. Like, in high school, we yeah. had, like, like, a couple that would teach us. Right. And it was also predominantly married women who right. were given those yeah. kind of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, like I was saying, I grew up Southern Baptist. Um, for sure, no women preaching. And I would say, for sure, not even teaching on a Sunday morning in that kind of, maybe like giving a testimony, is that what we called it? Um, but yeah, women, you know, like sang in the choir and taught. And in like our youth group, we didn't have really women who taught other than maybe with their husbands in a really small, small group kind of setting. So same thing. But women served on all the committees, you know, calling a new pastor and whatnot. So it wasn't no women at all, but just kind of a different thing than um, maybe what we're doing here. So I guess I wanted to start there because I think um, sort of my progression or understanding is for a while I had felt like this kind of doesn't feel right. (laughs) You know, like as a teenager, you're like, so basically if I want to serve in some sort of ministry capacity, I have to like get married to someone who's doing that. Like that was sort of the only option. Or So it kind of like just for a while, even as a young woman, wasn't settling, I guess. Um, and that was way before I knew words like egalitarian, complementarian, those things, which I'm going to define well in a minute. But I think I felt really stuck because I felt right that women could fully participate in church. But I like knew these verses kind of hanging over my head, kind of pulled out of context that made it seem like, made me feel really stuck. Like I couldn't fully participate the way I was really feeling called to. 
Um, and so let me give you a couple definitions. So there's a theologian named Carolyn Curtis James, and these are her definitions for egalitarian and complementarian. So I'm going to read it. Hopefully I can follow along okay. Egalitarians believe that leadership is not determined by gender, but by the gifting and calling of the Holy Spirit, and that God calls all believers to submit to one another. So egalitarians would feel um, mutual submission is the important thing. That we're all submitting to one another, husbands and wives, um, those in leadership are submitting to one another um, in Christ. Uh, complementarians believe the Bible establishes male authority over women, making male leadership the biblical standard. Um, so that it would be how I grew up. Um, and so, yeah, so I was always saying I felt really stuck. I like, thought I knew these verses and had heard my pastor preach these sermons about women's roles and these things. Um, and so then for a while, I just kind of didn't care. So I was like, oh, well, you know, can't, can't win them all, I guess, and just sort of like pretended like the verses uh, weren't saying what I thought they were saying, I guess. But then I think began to realize um, that a lot of more churches and, and plenty for a long time had been including women in full participation. And I was like, okay, the whole Methodist church is probably not just ignoring scripture. So there must be something I'm missing. And so I probably really in the last um, year, but even maybe less than that, really began to read and try to like figure out um, what's up. And what, what I believed about it, I think when um, the elders came and asked about me being an elder, I still felt kind of like, do I need to have an, a better understanding of women in church? And the answer was yes. And so that really propelled it more. Um, so I think where I got is something that felt like a really radical idea, which was women fully participating in church has now become just like a really normal way and a really reasonable way to read the Bible. So I want to share kind of a little of that process with y'all, and then at the end we'll um, reread the scripture and just see um, if we hear any differently. So um, I want to give you a little background about what was happening sort of in the time of the early church with, like, in homes, in household codes, the household codes um, and all that. So at this time, philosophers were also giving out similar household codes as Paul or Peter. So we're thinking, like, the first Peter verses, all the verses say, wives, wives submit to your husbands. So this was really nothing new to the people of the early church. This was like what they'd heard from leadership on down. And so philosophers, I mean, even Aristotle devoted entire chapters of his book um, called Politics, discussing the importance of men ruling over not just their wives, but their children and their slaves, which is its own thing, a whole other thing, why we admit parts. But so... Aristotle's talking about that. Other philosophers argue that man's authority over his household was critical to the success of a society. So, like, everywhere, this is just really normal to them that, like, men are in charge. Um, officials at the time believed this to be part of Pax Romana, which is, right, is, like, Latin for Roman peace. So to keep this society peaceful, they felt like men had to, to kind of, not kind of, had to ser or, um, lead in this certain way at the top. So by no means were Paul or Peter introducing anything new to the people at this time. This is sort of the same old, same old. So I think um, I read it really well from Rachel Held Evans. She says, the apostles weren't imposing a new structure onto marriage. They were addressing a structure that already existed and instructing new believers on how to bring Christ into that structure. So I think 
um, for me, sometimes we're reading the Bible and we're thinking like, okay, here's the counterculture thing, is that women should behave in this way, when really that was like the same old, same old, and the new thing that was being taught was that women um, should be loved and taken care of, and, and that, they, that men and women should submit to one another, not just wives submitting to their husbands. And so Peter and Paul were working um, within these imperfect systems um, for a lot of reasons, but a lot because Roman officials were waiting for every excuse during this time to bring scrutiny, persecution, to imprison Christians. And so they were writing in this way sometimes as um, ways to protect the, the early church as well. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is I want for y'all to see is that the like really, really radical thing is when Paul, say, in Ephesians, starts by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That that is this huge radical thing that, like, no one has ever said that women should be treated as equals. Never, no one's ever said that. And that feels completely radical to the people of this time. So, um, let me see, I'm be sure I didn't miss one of the things I wanted to say. Um, okay, so I want to read something to you from Galatians, and I think we have it. It's going to be back there. So it's going to be from Galatians 3, um, and what's happening at the beginning of this chapter is that Paul is talking about Christ redeeming us from the law. He says the law was given to Abraham and his offspring, not offsprings, but that offspring is Christ. And so in verse 23 it says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come and we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I think what this, um, this is referring to Old Testament law, but this can really show us sort of the, um, the full message of the freedom that we've gained in Christ, and so that we're no longer under, for sure, the Roman household codes, and that we're no longer um, kind of, yeah, t- tied down to those ways, but that all of the, like, fresh language and the new language that we're hearing in these verses is including us both, sons and daughters. We're, we're both included. And so I'm going to read the other verses again. Um, and I want you, I guess, to um, imagine that you're like at the day of Pentecost and that you're a woman who has never been allowed to maybe even enter the church, much less kind of put on the same place as your husband or as men in, in the town. So I'm going to start at verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonder in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I guess I wonder if, when I read it before uh, at the beginning or last week, if that 
the inclusive language stuck out to you or mattered. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe y'all knew these things, but if you didn't, like, if it, if that matters to you, you know, for, like, our church, for the church as a whole, you know, do you hear it differently? That could be rhetorical, too, but if someone wants to share something, that's fair, too. I could see how it could still not be an opening for people, because it's supposed to be in this time of, like, the end, mm -hmm. so I Do you feel that way sometimes now um, about things, you know, like, oh. No, I'm just like yeah. devil's advocate. Yeah, no, no, I was just curious. Person. Yeah. Anything else? And I think um, that there's like a million other things that we could talk about this. You know, there's, I mean, I think sort of learning just the small amount of what was happening at this time, like changed so much of how I read this section, even though this section isn't really directly talking about anyone's role the way some of the other ones are. But when you can just like shift a small thing, you know, just have a small understanding instead of always trying to read the Bible, like, right now, how does it speaking to us, you know, to, like, have more con contextual understanding can really change things a lot. Um, I was reading a lot about, actually, sort of, when you're, like, studying one thing, and then you read something else, you're like, oh, I gotta know about that, too, but um, about how, before the Civil War, churches were having similar uh, conflict about these verses, but just, like, a little bit later, like, masters, how to be with their slaves, you know, and this was like a huge thing. No one's even talking about women's place in church. They're bigger fish to fry during that time, and how our churches now are having a similar uh, conflict about women, you know. Um, we don't look back and, and think like, oh, they really did the wrong thing before the Civil War. So, yeah, do you have a share on that? Well, I had, a, I had an interesting thought on uh, how this verse is different than uh, some of the other verses, and it, I think it goes back to Right. Yeah. Well, There's no longer this or that. There's no longer male or female. Yeah. Similarly, the 
the connection to when we were talking about Ephesians, about how it was a big shift that he was telling everybody that they were all responsible for spreading God's message and building the kingdom instead of just the rabbis being able to do that. So mm-hmm. it's just a spreading of power and spreading of authority. Right. And it's giving all these different examples at different places at different times. And kind of maybe specifying the people a little bit more. Like maybe the first step was breaking down that you don't have to be a rabbi, you can be anybody. And mm-hmm. now it's, well, you can be a man or a woman or a right. servant or anybody. Right. Anything else someone wants to share? Just have a little bit more to share. So um, I think when um, when Brian and I were emailing about whether or not I should preach on the same verses again, because <laughs> it's not usually something we do, but wh- one thing that I had a kind of a hesitation was like, so I spoke in May at the Mother's Day time, or the Mother's Day service, and I talked about motherhood, and then like I'm back, and now I'm talking about like women in church, and so like, I don't know, later I'm going to talk about what other women's thing, and so I think I kind of worried that that sort of like, just sort of added to the problem maybe, that, um, not the problem, but added to the stereotypes, or to the thing that it was like, women get up to speak at our church about like women's topics, or I don't know, I don't know, and so, but I think the more I got into this, I realized that it's like, it's really not a women's topic at all, because I think it's something that's like, we're all called to, like, together as a church to invite, to encourage, to celebrate um, both our brothers and our sisters in Christ, like, full participation. And so I think um, we all benefit when we're, when we're all included. So I want to read um, something to you that, um, yeah, it just puts it better than I could. And then after I'm done, Karen's going to come up and lead us in a prayer response. And be that. So I'm going to share one more, a couple more things with you. Um, the community of God's people, oh, the, and this is from the same um, woman that I was um, quoting earlier, Carolyn Curtis James. So this is from her book called Half the Church. Have you all heard of her? Oh. I mean, actually, I'm reading to it from the book that our book club is reading, but it's quoted in there, so that's kind of confusing. The community of God's people should be the epicenter of human flourishing, where men and women are encouraged to support encouraged and supported in their efforts to develop and use the gifts God has given them wherever he stations them in this world. God never envisioned a world where his image bearers would do life in low gear or be encouraged to hold back, especially when suffering is rampant, people are lost, and there is so much kingdom work to do. He wants his daughters to thrive, mature, gain wisdom, hone their gifts, and contribute to his vast purposes in our world. God created his daughters to be kingdom builders, to pay attention to what is happening around us, to take action, and to contribute. When half the church holds back, whether by choice or because we have no choice, everybody loses and our mission suffers setbacks. And Karen, you want to come Do you want this?
can't stick to the own thing you were going to do because it kind of evolves. And anyways, so all that to say, um, what really stood out to me with just the snippet of what she said she was going to talk about came to mind Romans 12, 10. Um, and um, so yeah, so I want to pass out uh, the verse to you guys and have us read it. And I know usually, I mean, it's wonderful. We, we talk about a passage and the context, and I'm kind of doing the exact opposite of that, just this one verse, no context. But we can meditate on it and kind of go deep in that way together. Um, so I'm going to pass them out, and then I'll start um, with one translation, one version, and then um, we can all kind of read them. And you might get two.
Romans 12.10, have kindly affections one another for another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness and honoring one another. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another and honor. Love one another deeply. Honor others more than yourselves. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another and show an honor. Love each other like the members of your own family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Love each other in a way that makes you feel close like brothers and sisters. And, you, and give each other more honor than you give yourself. To be affectionate to one another in brotherly love, preferring one another in honor. Be devoted to each other like a loving family, excel in showing respect for each other. Be devoted to each other with mutual affection, excel at showing respect for each other. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love, outdo one another in showing honor. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor and honor giving preference to one another. Love each other devotedly and with brotherly love and set examples for each other in showing respect. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. to one another in brotherly love. Be first in esteeming one another and showing mutual respect. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Love each other with brotherly affection and take delight in honoring each other. Love each other as Christian brothers. Show respect for Love one another very much, like brothers. Honor other people more than you honor yourself. Live in true devotion to one another, loving each other as sisters and brothers. Be first to honor others by putting them first. Ask brotherly love, kindly affection toward one another. Ask to honor, each taking the lead and praying, and paying it to the other. In love of the brethren, be tenderly affectionate one to another, and honor preferring one another. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, and honor preferring one another. <laughs> love, be devoted to each other, <coughs> brothers and sisters, with family, brotherly affection. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. Let us have real warm affection for one another, as between brothers, and a willingness to let the other man have credit. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another warmly as Christians and be eager to show respect for one another. To be affectionate to one another in brotherly love, preferring one another in honor. <laughs> love each other like brothers and sisters. Give your brothers and sisters more honor than you want for yourselves. Love each other as brothers and sisters and honor others more than you do yourself. Love each other like brothers and sisters. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. 
compete with each other and giving mutual respect. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, seeming one another more highly than honor. Be tenderly devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in giving honor. And love of the brothers, be tenderly affectionate to one another, and honor preferring one another. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Be devoted to one another with brotherly love, prefer one another in honor. Loving one another with brotherly love, with honor, preferring one another. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor.
Only you, Holy Spirit, can transform our lives to where we, we are devoted to each other, we outdo each other in showing honor and preference um, to the other person. Where our whole kingdom is, is a kingdom of love, our whole heart is operating in love towards another person. And Holly's right, this is not a women's issue. Um, this, this is an issue of, of each person that we will be accountable to you, Lord, someday. And you won't measure us by our status or our prestige or um, how much money we earned. You will measure each person by their love. And, um, and so we submit our hearts to you. We are so grateful, Jesus, that we can submit our hearts to you. Um, what a scary place it would be without submission where we had all the responsibility and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you transform us, you, um, you heal us. And I also acknowledge um, lots, of, lots of wounds, um, especially in the women-men dynamic, where, where I have um, been told I can't do things because I'm a woman, where I've been treated differently because I'm a woman. And I'm sure um, in our church and the church in Austin, Many women have been wounded and hurt. And so we ask for your grace, Jesus. We ask for your grace, your, your forgiveness, your healing, transformative power. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit, to our church, to our hearts, that we can love and respect each person um, as, as they're created in your image. I do want to honor um, Todd and Austin and Holly and Lilybeth and um, Meg, uh, Brian, all of the people here, everyone really, um, <laughs> all, all of the people, um, you know, Lauren and Drew serving with the, the children right now, who lead us, who serve us, who are a gift to our church community. We thank you for them. We honor them. We ask for your protection and your grace um, upon the leaders of this church, all of the leaders of the church, the elders or deacons or I don't know what we have, but um, all, all of the people serving, all the people giving, all the people that are far away that, that contribute to our church, that pray for us, that make donations. We ask you to bless them. We honor them. We thank you for the gift that 